Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Leeds Library, the Leeds Library's podcast series in which we talk to members of our extended community about their lives, their work, and their relationship to books, libraries, and literature. Founded in 1768, the Leeds Library is the oldest surviving subscription library in the UK, and throughout this series we'll also be diving periodically into the library's rich history to find out what makes us and our members one of the most interesting and unique cultural institutions in Leeds and the UK. I'm Molly McGrath, the Projects Assistant at the Leeds Library, and today our guest is Cheryl from the Little Bookshop in Chapel Allerton. Cheryl graduated many years ago with a degree in English and History and then went into an admin job. She had been doing the same job for 20 years when she decided to leave and spend more time with her children. When all her children were in school she decided she needed to do something else and had a flash of inspiration deciding she wanted to open a bookshop. It then probably took around a year and a half to make that a reality. Okay so hello Cheryl, thank you very much um, for chatting to me today. Um, So I guess to start with, can you tell me a little bit about The Little Bookshop and how you started out as an independent bookseller? So just kind of the story of how it how it came to be. Uh, yes, um, hello. Um, so I, I was working um, for myself um, for a couple of years, which was something that was really new to me. Mm. Um, and I really loved it. I loved the independence. I loved being able to do what I wanted to, being my own boss. Um, so I, and I was a child-minded and I wanted to do something different. Um, so I just sort of started to think about it and I kind of hit on this idea of having a bookshop. So I know it's really crazy and a lot of people assume it's been something I've wanted to do for my whole life. <laughs> and I feel a bit disappointed. Well, I feel like I'm disappointed people by saying, yeah. actually, it, it wasn't that. Um However, um, I'm sure I must have had other ideas as well, but mm. I think the bookshop thing kind of was really, uh, you know, a, a really powerful thought, and I kept pursuing it. Um, and even though I kind of thought of lots of reasons not to do it, mm. um, I kept kind of persevering. Um, and then I contacted someone I knew through the children, um, Hannah, who's now one of my business partners. And because she and Lou, my other business partner, have their own business. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of what they do is sort of visual. Um, Mm. So I contacted them and said, oh, uh, would you maybe help me? Because I know what I want to do. I want to make this bookshop. um, But I'm not really good sort of with aesthetics. and, Mm. um, And we talked and they actually wanted to get involved. So... We then sort of, as the three of us, um, set about finding some premises. Mm. Um, I had in my mind I wanted it to be in Chapel Allerton. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found somewhere and, and yeah, we made it happen. Wonderful. I've, it's so interesting, actually. I think um, a lot of people... I know um, you, uh, you mentioned that you talked to Amanda from Truman Books. She also um, kind of... St- she was in... Um, like travel I think working in travel and then during the pandemic kind of thought oh you know what I really want to open a bookshop so I think a lot of people kind of decide uh at some point in their life that they they want to try and make that happen and and then do it's kind of not necessarily a career that you work towards from when you're younger I think yeah which is interesting and it is a very romantic idea and obviously Mm. the reality 
isn't the same. Mm. However, I love it. Yeah. Well, um, that's what I want to kind of. Um, that's what I'm interested in, actually. Yeah. The the kind of the nitty gritty of how you run a bookshop and and um, yeah. And one of the questions that I'm quite interested to ask people who run bookshops is how you kind of balance this idea of curating a, a collection of books that you really want people to read and that you personally think are amazing and then obviously um you know commerciality like books that are going to sell and, and make a profit um so I don't know if you have any kind of thoughts on that um yeah oh, kind of um we're at quite low level thoughts really <laughs> um I suppose um what I've when I first started with a bookshop I think they were the kind of thoughts that kind of gave me sleepless nights Mm. how do I choose the right books Um, how can I be well read enough to recommend books Mm. you know and I think I realised that I can't really Um, so there's a bit of bluff (laughs) Um, but there's lots of information as well out there and you know we have obviously publishers want to sell their books so they produce magazines and leaflets and they send sales reps around Mm. and um you know you only have to sort of open the guardian and there's like books and lists Mm. to look at and times and um so it is just a bit of looking around Mm. um i also have um two people work for me and they also do book buying um and customers might come and order a book and I think oh that looks great (laughs) so I order it Mm. Um, so actually it's not as difficult as I thought it would be Mm. I thought that would be quite hard but actually it does take a bit of time Mm. but it's not actually that difficult I suppose it's just a kind of once you've been doing it for long enough you you kind of get a sense of of what will sell, what your customers will like. And, yes, And I you will have so, built yeah. a, a relationship with booksellers and a, a relationship with customers as well, yes. I imagine. And the book industry is so lovely. Yeah. You know, we have a sales rep who comes around, you know, different publishers, and they will say, don't bother that one. Yeah. <laughs> Get that one. You know, so they, you know, they are, they are sales people, but they are generally wanting us to sell the books. Yeah. Um, so that helps as well. That's really nice to hear. The commerciality isn't um, isn't such a big thing for me because I'm a small shop, mm. and on the whole, I tend to have one copy of each book, okay. so I'm not buying fifty copies. You know, I'm not yeah. um, put myself at, in a risk yeah. category. So, okay. if a book doesn't sell, you have an allowance; you can send some books back, um, or you know. I can give it to a friend or yeah. <laughs> or you know it can you know we have maybe an occasional sale or, or whatever yeah and I think you I, I mean I don't know if you'd say you were a specialist but you sell a lot of children's and, and young adult fiction and I wanted to ask you I think people always have this anxiety that children don't read anymore that everyone's kind of on their iPads or or watching TV or something um, but I don't know if you kind of have that same fear or you feel more positive um, so actually, yeah, I've been thinking a, a bit about this. Um, in the shop, I don't, um, not children anyway, um, because children who come into the shop are so enthusiastic, mm. and you know, you you can see that you know some children are just massive readers, and I sort of think I want you to come and work. <laughs> um, 
there are a lot less young adults who come in mm. to the shop. Um, and personally speaking, I have three children, two are teenagers, mm. and they stopped reading when they got to 13. Mm. Um, so I think I think that's that's what happens. I think children do read, although I only see those who do read. Mm. But I think a lot of children read. Um, and I think once children have phones and other gadgets, they start reading less and less. Mm. Um, mm. And then, and I've particularly seen it with my two teenagers, they suddenly don't have the focus to sit and read a whole book. Mm. I mean, they find it hard to watch a whole film now <laughs> because everything's so instant. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's really interesting, actually. I was going to, I mean, you, you kind of hinted at it, but I was going to ask you what you think the, the biggest barriers for kids starting to read are. But I suppose it is that it's not so much little children who struggle with it. It's when you become a teenager and you, you know, have all these screens and all of this instant gratification, it becomes harder. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are probably a couple of things. There are probably some children who never get into reading mm. at all, um, which... Um, I think it's sort of slightly different. There are lots of children who get into reading and then kind of fall out. Mm. I kind of hope that at some point when they get older, they will pick that back up again because mm. they've got that um, background of reading. And I think it's a skill, maybe like reading, riding a bike, mm. you can come back to. Those who never get into reading is more of an issue, I mm. think. And... Um, just by having a shop, obviously, doesn't solve that. Yeah. Um, there are some initiatives which help. Um, World Book Day, which the idea is that children come into the, the shop and they can use a voucher to get a book, exchange mm-hmm. it for a £1 book. That's a great thing because it introduces them to the shop, even if it's just once a year. Mm. You know, that's nice. Um, and schools you know have their part in it by making sure they've got lots of books to read and um, i know that some schools we work with really prioritize that mm. um but yes it is something that still needs more attention what do you think can be done to encourage or, or break down those barriers for kids in in starting to i guess not just learning to read but but learning to love reading yeah yes I think that's it isn't it it's mm. children learn to read but they don't necessarily at school but they mm. don't necessarily learn to love to read at school it's um they have the books which <clears throat> phonics books and all those things you have to do but it's kind of then saying right you've got that skill mm. now you can use that for pleasurable yeah um activity um i mean i think Obviously, there's a lot more diversity in in books and children's books, mm. so that helps. It reaches more people. Um, I think you know people like Marcus Rushford, who's you know done his book recently, reaches a, a different audience. Um, sort of you know kids who like more sports, who maybe see that as being different. Mm. Those things really help. Um, I know we have schools who bring in groups of children mm. for a story time or just to choose some books for the school um, that's really good it brings them in um, and 
we and other bookshops take authors into schools mm-hmm. so they can you know, do an assembly and that's really powerful um, and I think it's just lots of things like that on the on the issue of learning to love to read mm. um, I think that's a it's a bit more tricky and I think I see a lot of parents and teachers who are keen for their children to learn to read mm-hmm. to learn to read well and they sort of see it as a kind of you know you start with the book with a few words and you have more words and it increasingly gets harder mm-hmm. which is is right when you're learning a skill yeah you know, that's that's what you do the difficulty is you then want them to be able to love to read mm. so if they are then, they finish their schoolwork, <laughs> and then you say, right, go and choose a book to read. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll read you a story, or you go and read a book in bed. That we have this locked-in idea that because you read a hundred-page book last week, mm. you now want at least that, if not harder. But a child might pick up a picture book, mm. and a lot of people, well, you're too, that's too young for you. You can't read that. Mm. And then I think that puts people off, children off reading, because well, one, you've kind of said that their choices aren't good enough. Yeah. And two, you've kind of put a judgment on something. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you want to just read something that's really easy or yeah, that's or so right. And or... I think that carries through into adulthood as well, because I find that the reading I do for pleasure and the reading I do for um, I guess, you know, throughout my education have been two separate things and there are things that I'm interested in academically that I'll read and, you know, maybe I'll go and read like a New York Times article or something because I'm interested, but it's in a different way than, than uh, you know, a book that I'd pick out to read lying on a beach on holiday, you know? it's you, you There yeah. are different books for different places. I think that's really right. Yeah, yes. And I think it's just sort of allowing that and recognising that and then... You know, then letting children choose mm. what book it is and not um, putting them off. Yeah, and like you were saying, I mean, you you mentioned that you have a, a large collection of diverse and inclusive books. Yeah, and I suppose it's about um, kind of investing in authors and and publishers who are who are producing those books, so that kids have, you know, they can see themselves in these books. And they have something that they really want to read. So can you tell me a little bit about that collection and, and kind of why you think it's important to to build that and focus on that? Uh, yeah, um, so I think really right from the from the, the start off, um, that was you know something that's really been important to us. Um, like I say, that everybody is represented in our books, um, and and the. The books available to us have just got better, mm. and you know the, the the volume has got bigger, so we can be maybe more selective even in you know what what we're choosing, um, and you know obviously we sort of not obviously we initially I think probably we're looking at um, sort of cultural um, diversity. Um, and then more recently, I'm um, more aware of 
um, inclusiveness around sort of neurodiversity mm. um, as that area of literature is growing mm. um, and um, unseen disabilities and um, just uh, you know making sure that we've got um, kind of everybody as much as we can as much as the, the literature that's available mm. allows us to have that covered because mm. it's good for us as a bookshop and the community yeah um to see that um i think now my sort of biggest challenge is sort of deciding how to have that displayed in the shop yeah um so i'll let you know when i've, <laughs> when I've got the I, definitive answer i think there's kind of a misconception that those topics aren't necessarily appropriate for kids quite often but that's it's not the case at all is it really and and actually there's a long um there's a really long tradition of 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 kids books that deal with i mean all kids books are about kind of dealing with these bigger themes and and that kids books about kind of death and things that are really difficult are really important for kids if because you know kids aren't gonna it's not guaranteed that they won't ever have to deal with these things so the fact that there is uh, kind of more literature for them being produced that deal with these topics is is really wonderful um, and great that independent bookshops can kind of you know really champion that yes yeah yeah I agree it's um the, the, the books have always dealt with difficult yeah issues um, and I suppose one of the things is as parents we might not really been aware of that yeah <laughs> um, you just oh there's there's a book for you um, but as, when we remember what we read, you know, mm. well, doll books are all mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit scary, aren't they? Well, even fairy tales, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're all they're really dark, and they deal with these kind of weird, complex morality kind of things. <laughs> yeah, and you know, for children, they just shrug it off, don't they? Yeah, because it's, um, it's a safe place to explore. Yeah, all those ideas and yeah, exactly. Um, going back to the idea of just briefly, what makes kids love reading? Do you remember what? books made you love reading as a kid <laughs> um well i did really like Enid Blyton books mm. um and then I, when i i think was a bit older um must have been going into teen years i remember really liking judy bloom books because they were very informative <laughs> um oh I just remember when I was just a bit older and I didn't have my parents check on me at nine o'clock mm. and I discovered I could carry on reading and I used to sort of read into the night. Yeah, it's so good that feeling. Yeah. I feel like I've, I only get it maybe like once a year now. <laughs> yes, and you can't reading, put a book down. You can't, yeah. It, yeah, it's just the best. Yeah. And then when you finish the book, kind of feel a little bit like, like you've got this void in your life. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just cry a bit after I've read a yeah. book. <laughs> I bet it's so nice to see that with um, with kids in the shop if they come in and yeah, things absolutely. down. Yeah, absolutely. Really rewarding. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your uh, events because I know you've got an events programme. Um, so I guess what kind of events are you doing? Are they aimed at kids? Are they aimed at the kind of the general community more broadly? Um, how long has that been going on for? Yeah, uh, so <clears throat> it's... Um, when we first started, we we started off with quite a, 
a big program of events and um and of course covid kind of stopped everything so we i'm trying to think we've been going for like four and a half years so we'd sort of we're, we're getting into a bit of a swing of things and mm. then it all stopped and we were not doing it for longer than we were mm. <laughs> so we've really only just sort of managed to start getting that <clears throat> going again <clears throat> sorry um but that is something we're now we're really kind of investing so pre-covid we had regular story times um a lot of the events we had were aimed at children mm-hmm. um just going back briefly we were a children's bookshop mm-hmm. pre-covid oh okay um over covid while we were sort of um doing orders online um, a lot more people are asking for grown-up books mm. um and then after when we managed to open up we decided to set a few bookshelves mm-hmm. for adult books for adults um and that's expanded mm. so we do special yeah we we say now we are specialists in children's books mm-hmm. but we have a ever increasing yeah um, supply of um books for grown-ups that's really nice that that came from from the kind of you know a, a kind of community need for that or or yeah and that you kind of listen to that and were able to respond and yeah. you have um a book sh- subscription service as well which is really cool is that another we do something that came out of the pandemic or was that well, before we, that we we probably had been thinking about it for a little while but we launched it in november um and we've just really trialing it with three different age groups a picture book a junior fiction and adult um selection um and it's been you know it's been a great thing um christmas presents that people can mm-hmm. buy three six month 12 months subscriptions um for uh, for someone in their, in their lives who they know loves books mm. and uh they get a book every month um so that's going really well and we're hoping um, that that will carry on growing. Um, just on back on the events. Mm. So now we are, um, we have grown, books for grown-ups and children. We are developing our events. Mm-hmm. So we cater for both. Um, so we have coming up, uh, some authors coming into the shops, some children's authors. Um we're looking at um, having a um, a little course, um, sort of looking at menopause and different mm. aspects of that. Maybe sort of running it weekly for four weeks mm-hmm. or, or so. That's in the pipeline, um, and we, we've carried on doing events in schools. But mm. We're going to sort of have some more of those coming up. Um, so yeah, we're, we're sort of contacting uh, publishers now mm. and asking. Um, for people to come That's along. That's really interesting. And uh, we've, sorry, we've also worked with the um, Chapel Allison Library, which is okay. across the road from us. Um, we had a, um, had Bob, uh, sorry, we had Rob Bidoff mm-hmm. um, just before Christmas, I think, and we couldn't fit everyone in, so the library hosted for us. So that was mm. really good. It worked really well. It's nice to have that partnership. Yeah. And you've been a, a bookseller for a, a children's literature festival, and I think you mentioned. That's right. That yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. So it's nice to have yeah. these partnerships with the local community. I think and be able to be 
really flexible in the work that you do. Yes. Um, yeah. And I like this kind of... I think one of the great things about indies is that they can really do that and they can really listen and become embedded in, in the kind of communities that they that they serve. So I guess I'm kind of interested in what you find um, about your local area, so Chapel Allerton and, and Leeds in general, that people are kind of... I, I guess what makes it kind of stand out or unique or... Um, what do you find people are are you surprised ever at people's interest in, in top, certain topics or um, well I think what's great about Chapel Allerton and mm. why I wanted my shop to be there apart from living in Chapel Allerton it's very convenient um, is that it's um, you know it's a community with lots of independent shops mm. and and people like the independent shops. So people come to, you know, uh, go to the butchers or the cheesemongers or the um, the grocery shop or you know to to buy mm. their their food or the um, you know all the other independent shops to buy their cards and gifts and mm. you know the toy shop and the shoe shop. So it's um, it's a lovely community that's already there and set up. So it felt like the bookshop would be a nice mm. addition to that and I think it you know it, it has been uh, there has been a bookshop previously in Chapel Allison but it'd been closed for a few years mm-hmm. so I think there'd already been um a sort of a tried and tr- trusted you know market there mm. um and I think you know people really want to be able to browse and and just spend time without having to go far away yeah. just sort of browsing in shops and you know meandering um and you know having a look and seeing what's available and i think what we've tried to create in the bookshop is a nice welcoming safe space that people can come in and browse mm. and not feel rushed and you know look at every single book if yeah. they like you know to, to find the, the right book or to yeah. ask for advice and get some recommendations yeah um in terms of am I surprised by what people choose um I don't think so I think people are very open-minded mm. um and we you know we don't shy away from um any you know books um so I think you know, and I think people appreciate the the variety, particularly the um, the books for grown ups. Mm. It's very difficult. I'm, I keep saying books for grown ups because I'm aware adult books isn't so right. Uh, so th- <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we, we do um, try and open up and diversify also with the grown up books, and I think you know. That um, that goes down well. Yeah. In Chapel Allerton, um, I think it's really about keeping the um, the window fresh mm. and to sort of show what kind of books we might have in there mm-hmm. to to sort of draw people in or for people to see that maybe what they like could mm. be represented in the shop. Um, but I think people are on the whole quite open-minded I've never had any negative reaction Mm. Um, and 
you know, a lot of people do come in and order books and, you know, feel able to order whatever they would like to. Yeah. It's not, I read um, an article about the, the London Review Bookshop, I think, about the way that they kind of curate their collection and put unusual books next to each other and the kind of, the, uh, I, I don't know, yeah, the art of doing that, I guess, of, of putting something you might not expect next to something else and seeing the way that people kind of make connections and um, kind of navigate the actual space of the bookshop. Yeah, um, must be quite yes. fun actually. Must be quite a, an enjoyable part of the job, I would imagine. Yes, um, kind of setting up a nice space that people want to come and hang out in, and and having. I think um, you know, I bookshops as a kid must be really exciting because there's so much stuff and all these exciting kind of stories. I guess in the same way that that uh, you know people who love books kind of come in here and are like, whoa, there's so many cool things that I can. Yes. <laughs> you know, I just want to go and randomly take books off the shelves. Yes. Um, it must be quite nice to kind of yes to see it's very that. tactile isn't it and mm. uh, you know and the, the the look and the smell yeah you know, we have um i mean i don't notice it anymore but people come in and say like oh you can smell yeah you know the bookshelves <laughs> yeah. that we've had made and um yeah, yeah. it is <laughs> nice and i want to ask you a bit about um the kind of the day-to-day which I mean, for you, it might be a bit boring, but I'm really interested in how it works. So, how often do you get new stock in? So we we probably put in when it's not Christmas. We probably put in about three or four orders a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we order books; they come the next day. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. So if someone comes in the shop and they want a book we haven't got. As long as our suppliers have got it, we can get it to them within mm. a couple of days. Um, so we, yeah, we, we put in an order every few days. So how it works is someone buys a book, um, it goes through our till, mm-hmm. and then we have a list on our till of all the books we've sold, with some information on it, when it was last sold, how many we've sold that year, mm-hmm. how many sold that month. Mm-hmm. So we can go through every single book and we can decide whether we want to reorder mm. the book. Um, and then we might have customer orders, so that will go on the order. And then we might think, oh, like yesterday I was in the shop and somebody wanted a um, Dr. Seuss book. Mm-hmm. And I realized we only had two different titles. I'm like, oh, what's happened to all those? So I just went through and ordered, you know, what other ones are there, mm-hmm. and ordered another three or four. Um, but also, you know, sometimes you just, you know, uh, uh, the bookselling magazine might come through and you just leave through and go, what, what am I going to have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it all goes on and then it gets delivered the okay. next day. And it's like Christmas. It, yeah. It's lovely. You're getting that <laughs> three or four boxes. <laughs> sort of four or five times a week yeah. you get to open it and <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say how many do you order each time but yeah three or four boxes I guess yeah um, I mean it really does vary I suppose at, at so I guess Christmas is the primary time Christmas you see a so huge we order rise, yeah. every single day okay. and I remember one time we had someone um, Alison who one of my colleagues mm. had phoned me up and said it's so busy and nine boxes of books have just arrived. <laughs> and I don't wow. know what to do. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. They're just books. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Serve the customers. Put the books out afterwards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, we, we have a kind of 
minimum order of uh, you know where we don't have to pay any delivery and it's like 500 pound okay um and yeah so we have that many books at least yeah coming but you know quite often there's eight or nine hundred pound yeah Christmas over <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are a lot of books yeah uh, that, that come along yes um and where do you buy these books from is it from wholesalers or publishers or a mix of both or where yeah. are, where are you kind of buying them from you mentioned a kind of booksellers magazine yeah so um most of our books that are um to sell in the shop we get from a wholesalers. There's only mm. one wholesalers now, gardeners, and they are the ones that come the next day. So they've got two massive uh, warehouses, and they have most books available. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they haven't got it in there, they can normally get the book within a few days. So our day-to-day buying is through gardeners. Mm-hmm. If there is, if I'm doing an event for a particular author. I might buy those through the publisher mm-hmm. because okay. our discount will be a little bit better. Yeah. But they might take a few days longer okay. to come. Or if I'm buying some books for schools and they want 10 copies of each book, you know, they don't need them for a few weeks, I would buy them through different publishers. It just means I'm having to buy them from different places and they'll yeah. all come at different times. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's worth it for multiple copies. Yeah. But for individual ones. But day to day, yeah. The ease of sending it all in one order, getting them the next day is, you know, it's worth. And and they're great, you know, the publishers are great and gardeners are really good, really responsive. Um, And how do you decide how to price books? I think I've I've kind of, this issue of of big books and chains um, kind of cutting prices um, and that really undermines indie bookshops or publishers or, or you know everyone else involved in the kind of book yeah. selling chain basically yes. yeah. has come up before um so yeah what's that process like so we don't um discount okay. books okay. basically yeah. um we because i think what we offer is a little bit different than what you would um, if you were buying a book online, mm-hmm. um, you know, if someone wants to come along and they want to say, oh, "What can I read next?" and we, you know, spend that time with the customer, give them recommendations, um, and that experience of being in the shop, um, we don't discount the books because mm-hmm. that allows us to do those things. It also means that, of course, the author. <laughs> Um, and everyone in the process have all got their money, mm-hmm. what they deserve. Um, I also think if you reduce the cost of books, you devalue them. Mm. Um, I know that sometimes, you know, I've, I've bought a, a book from a, a discount shop. I kind of got my mind that it's not the same value as mm. another book. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. Um but it, it, it doesn't, I, I don't think it, um, it helps you value a book if it's less money. Having said that, obviously, you know, people, you know, want to, you know, be able to buy books and, mm. you know, having reduced price books allows more people to buy books. Yeah. Well, I suppose um, that's where schemes like the kind of World Book Day 
um, yeah. and, and, and you know libraries <laughs> well libraries yeah yeah and you know people do use online yeah. books and if you you know you know what you want and you know it means that you get the book as opposed to not getting the book yeah that's fair enough I think there's still room for us where yeah. people think well actually I don't know what book I want I want to browse or I yeah. want some help no of course um, so I think there's probably enough space it is a shame that some books do get discounted so much because obviously it makes us maybe seem more expensive. Mm. Occasionally people will say, how much are the books? And I say, well, the books, the price is on the back. Yeah. We occasionally do, um, at the moment we have some picture books, which we have buy one half, buy one, get one half price, Mm -hmm. um, because we had a really good discount with the publisher um, for some of those and being Easter we thought it was a nice little promotion mm-hmm. um, and we have in the past one a few um, yeah, discounts on certain books mm-hmm. but it's normally where we've got extra discount we try and pass that on yeah. to, the, to the customer okay yeah that's really interesting um, and I guess then the kind of the question from that is what happens when a book doesn't sell how long does it have to be sitting on the shelf before you decide I mean, do you return them? What happens to that? You, you mentioned kind of giving them away or... Um... Yeah. Well, we have a a, um, a 5% returns allowance. Okay. Um, I mean, it's not... There is a cost to returning books because mm. you have to pay mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to return them. Um, the, you could... If I was a bit more organised, probably every few months, I'd go through the whole... Uh, the stock system and see what's been there for so long but I'm not <laughs> and sometimes you just leave a book long enough it will be someone's yeah. perfect book yeah <laughs> so um yeah it, it we do obviously you know every book is taken up shelf space um so every book every space is precious um but I probably need to be a bit more on it than I am um, however we do now and then have a clear out of books mm, okay. and they might go back or they might we have it we do have a, a, a sales shelf mm-hmm. actually very few books get sold from that shelf mm. <laughs> I think maybe again people sort of see it and think oh yeah they're the books no one wants yeah <laughs> so um yeah I'm okay. not sure but we don't I, really have much of a problem with it yeah that's nice and what are the most um I guess, what are the most difficult aspects of the work you do? So, I mean, is there anything that you wish the the sector did differently as a whole, whether that's kind of, you know, publishers or wholesalers or customers or other indies or, I don't know, what kind of, um, how do you think the the industry could be a bit better? Um, I suppose the the biggest um, annoyance is probably books that are discounted in supermarkets online um, because I think it does devalue our books or books generally and and what we do Mm. Um, however we we are still going you know and um, I think there are enough people who enjoy coming to bookshops and enjoy this space yeah Um, I think there's a a lot of support um, for booksellers um, there's the Booksellers Association, um, which a great organisation. 
um, and the, you know the publishers I think are great at getting behind indie bookshops and recognizing that you know they need us to help mm. push those books um, so yeah I think on a whole it is a really nice industry to be in yeah. it's you know really friendly really yeah. supportive I've not met anyone who <laughs> has sold books that's been a horrible person but uh, exactly. who knows there's yeah. still time <laughs> and the same with the customers as well you, yeah. know, you know people who buy books or want to buy books yeah have all got you know a similar kind of but mindset I, I think it comes back to what you were saying about the you know books as objects are so nice to have and and you know I, I think that's why that you know so many people buy them at Christmas because it's so lovely to be able to kind of give a really beautiful book uh to someone whether yes. that's like a kid or a grown-up or whatever um although not that my brother will ever listen to this podcast, but I remember one Christmas he got back and he's like, oh, not another book. I hate books. <laughs> Which we tease him mercilessly about to this day. Um, but yeah, no, it, I mean, it is so nice. And, and like sitting in this room with all of these kind of old books that are really kind of amazing and beautiful, you, you really yes. do appreciate that. So I wanted to ask you how important are books as objects to you? Um, and I mean, what do you think of a really beautiful book, uh, whether that's kind of, you know, the, the physical volume or maybe it's kind of, got, you know, it's valued because it's rare or it's really old. Um, what do you think that adds to the experience of reading a book? Um, and do you kind of see indie bookshops as a bit of a, a pushback against digital culture or do you think the two can kind of exist simultaneously? Well, on the the first um, element, I mean, definitely um, books as being, you know, a beautiful sort of statement or piece of art or, you know, um, something that you would want to have in your house because it looks good as much as wanting mm. to read it is definitely, definitely um, an important factor. They look great in the shop, <laughs> you know, and they translate well into social media mm -hmm. and translate well into people's houses um i think there's um it's all quite sensory isn't it when you pick up like, say an old book here mm. and the first thing you do is open it and smell the book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's that tactile um thing and obviously you don't get that so much with a new book but with a beautiful hardback mm. and you just sort of stroke <laughs> <laughs> the cover well, for kids of it. as well. I mean, especially if you specialise in, in children's books. Yeah, they're they amazing. I go back to my parents' house, and my mum has this collection of, of our kids' books. Um, and I, you'll open one, and I get all of these sudden memories. You know, they these illustrations that really you'd forgotten you remembered. Yes, it's really incredible. But they're there, lodged in yeah, your, yeah, yeah, in your yeah, memory. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, and the colours that sort of you know remind you of that time. Yeah, of, you know, what what was. <laughs> in and popular then and it yeah. sort of takes you back doesn't it to to that so and I think that's really important and I think um I think probably since you know a lot of ebooks um have been around I think there's been mm -hmm. a lot more emphasis on how a book looks because mm -hmm. that's the uniqueness um of, of it and having that book um, and I think that definitely does help my um, neighbor uh, pops in to the shop a little while ago because 
she really liked the edition we, of um, Pride and Prejudice we had. Mm-hmm. Lovely hardback book. And she said that she she collects different editions. Mm. So, you know, she has the same book yeah. in whatever, 10, 20 yeah. formats because because she enjoys having that, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that's really nice. And I think, you know, a lot of the non-fiction books we have for children mm-hmm. um, look amazing. Yeah. And, you know, there's a great one we've got, which is about fungus <laughs> that makes you want to read it <laughs> which i think is you know pretty impressive mean, isn't it no mean feat, yeah. <laughs> exactly so yeah definitely that's really important um on your second bit you were saying a sort of do you about... see kind of yeah bookshops and and i guess more than indie bookshops but kind of book culture as a a kind of pushback against digital culture or do you i mean books have always been around they probably always will be around uh do you think that it's you know there isn't the, the this kind of culture war between like digital and, and analog is overhyped yeah I th- yeah i think so but then i mean definitely for children you can't really replicate a picture book yeah in a digital yeah. format you know it's a it's a you can do digital things for children, but it's a different thing. It's not a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and books are still really precious. Children like to turn the pages. They like to pick it up and take it to their grown-up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even little babies who tod- can just toddle around and don't have the words for, can yeah. you read me a book, can pick up a book and shove it in your lap yeah. you know, and get that message across. You can't do that with a, a phone because yeah. you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think there was a lot of worry, wasn't there, when ebooks came out? Um, and I think that's all kind of calmed down because there's a space for ebooks when you mm. go on holiday. You don't want to take twenty books, mm-hmm. perhaps, but people do like books, and I think probably people who read a lot use both. Yeah. Or you would read an ebook and you love it so much you have to have yeah. the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the same. Like we were, you know, to bring it back to the the beginning of the conversation, we were saying. You don't always want a, a book that's going to be like really intellectually challenging and and you know like amazing and interesting and and whatever you learn a lot. Sometimes you just want like a beach read, you know. Exactly. So yes. there's a space for all of these different types. Of, yeah. Of books. Yeah. And you know you you've kind of because we have so much stuff in our house, we can't yeah. keep going, can we? Yeah. So we kind of have to curate what we have. Yeah. And like I say, so there might be some books you don't actually ever want to read again. You don't need that book. But you do want your bookshelves um, filled with books that yeah. you actually feel represent you, that you might want to read yeah. again, that look great. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, yeah, um, I don't think there is an issue with sort of um, that kind of technology taking over. I think they are mm. different things. Mm-hmm. My only slight worry is when I sort of talk about the, you know that kind of teenage years where mm. technology maybe is so fast and so immediate the gratification mm. that it kind of um, makes it difficult to sort of sit down with a book mm. but I think that's a slightly different yeah question no, yeah really um, um and then I guess my, my final question is is you must have sold thousands and thousands of books over your career are there any that stand out to you um, that have been kind of some of your favourites? Or, um, 
that you've got fond memories of? No. <laughs> well, the, I, I wouldn't say fond memories. The, one of our best-selling books yeah. is... <laughs> it's... Um, funny because it's a Peppa Pig book <laughs> and it's a book but it's got wheels on it okay. so it, kids can push it along yeah and um, it makes me laugh because kids come in and they want the book yeah and the parents are like you're not having a Peppa Pig book <laughs> they're like why it's, like, it's not a proper book <laughs> and not just little kids yeah <laughs> sort of six seven eight year olds um, what the book because it, it's a book and it's on wheels yeah that's so funny we just the last podcast we recorded was with um, Aoife Larkin who's the librarian, collections librarian at the Arts Uni and we were talking about all of the different kind of ways that people have interpreted a book in the special collections she was talking about there's one that's like a, a bonsai tree with poems on the oh, pages nice. and yeah. all of these different books. So, you know, these kids might grow up to be artists one day. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, you know, I must admit, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> and I really completely understand when parents yeah. are like, oh, not even more Peppa Pig, you know. They'll even say, my child's never seen Peppa yeah. Pig. I don't know why, you know, but obviously the, the marketing yeah. is so strong that they might not have seen Peppa Pig telly or read a single book, but they yeah. recognise the character. That is a great answer. But it is, <laughs> it is quite funny. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have to keep selling it because it sells really yeah. well. <laughs> that is a really good answer. Thank you so much for, for chatting about the work you do. Thank um, you. It's been really fascinating. I guess the last thing is, can how can people find out about you? You've got a website. Um, we do, yes. Um yeah, uh, www.thelittlebookshopleads.co.uk okay. um, we're open seven days a week and we have um, the website we can order online um, and or you can email us or the book subscription service and there's book subscription which service really cool. which you can also <laughs> um, you know either um, join in the shop or online yeah. on our website um, yeah, and hopefully the events calendar is going to come out in the next few weeks. <laughs> Wonderful. Very exciting. Thank you very cool. much. Thank you so much. Thank All you. Right. This has been a podcast from the Leeds Library. Links to more information about our guests and any works talked about can be found in the description. If you'd like to find out more about the Leeds Library and any of our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.theleedslibrary.org.uk or you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at The Leeds Library. Thank you for listening and keep your eyes and ears peeled for more tales from The Leeds Library in our future episodes released every Wednesday.